Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Hey kids, you are listening to Radio Free Brooklyn and this show is Fish Out of Agua with Michelle Carlo. Today is Tuesday, October 10th, 2017, and the world seems to be going to hell in a friggin' hot air balloon. Like, I can't believe every minute you turn around, like, someone else that dies, someone else is getting shot, someone else is somewhere else is on fire, somewhere else is blowing up, somewhere else is getting flooded. It's friggin' crazy. It's it's almost like too much to bear. But then sometimes you get reminded of the things that keep on keeping on, like the flower bush, a friggin' flower bush that I saw growing out of a crack in the building facade today. And it reminded me that the forces that keep on trucking are greater than the forces that destruct. Think on that as we continue with this song from Eddie Kendricks. We're back with Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. Yep, no matter what, keeping on, keeping on is something that we've all got to do. That was Keep On Trucking Part 1 by Eddie Kendricks from his, who used to be with the um, Temptations, which was a 
giant, one of the most giant, revered, awesome R&B soul groups from out of Motown in the 60s and 70s. And Eddie Kendricks uh, had a solo career also. And this song, Keep on Truckin' Part One, was from his eponymous, that means named after him, vocabulary on Fish Out of Agua. Woohoo! His eponymous solo album that he released in 1973. Yeah. <laughs> I know, another song from my well-spent youth. I can't help it. But this next song is current. Oh, yes, it's from someone else's well-spent youth. And it is from Childish Gambino, and it's called Redbone from 2017. Wow. See, I can play current music. All right.
That song was chosen by this week's featured guest artist. It was Redbone from the 2016-2017 album Awaken My Love by Childish Gambino, who, under the name David Glover, is an actor, playwright, producer, director. Oh, my God, how many hyphens? I got tired just reading that. But anyway, now it's time for our favorite part of the show. Everybody. Welcome to Fish Out of Agua's Guest Artist of the Week. Woohoo! This is my favorite part of the show. My favorite part. All right, I know. You, you don't listen in to hear me sing. All right, now while I'm sticking my uh, foot into my mouth all the way down to my fundillo, I'm going to stop and introduce to you the handsome, accomplished, funny, and what superlative gentleman that is sitting here with me, Whoa. Vernon Payne. I have never been called so, so superlative before. I, I, I can't even say that word. <laughs> I can't even say that word. Hey, Michelle, how you doing? I am Vernon Payne. Yes. Uh, no, I appreciate it. This is awesome. I really do appreciate being on this show. I, uh, I, I was listening to you and uh, Leanne Lord. Really? Yeah. And, oh, I love uh, Leanne. Leanne, like, you know... Um, before I even thought about doing comedy, like I was just a comedy fan. So like, growing up in Brooklyn, like you know, you're just especially around black people in a black neighborhood, you get turned on to comedy. But like, the most of comedy is like, most of comedy is like just black comedy. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much kind of all you see until you get old enough to reach out of that. I saw her on, uh, I don't know, I, I must have been like maybe like 13, 14, 15, and I saw her on BET. Really? Yeah, and I oh was like, God. this woman is so hot. Don't say how long, that was like yesterday. <laughs> yes. She's yeah, going to yeah, kill you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I saw her on BET, and I thought like, she was she was smart, she was funny, and I was like, I didn't know that like, black comedy can can be that, you know, because like, because. In, like, in what way? Because do you like. Mean, do you mean, I, I, I didn't know black comedy can be smart and funny. Okay, I was going to say that. I didn't want to put a word yeah, in your yeah, mouth. Yeah. I, want, I wanted yeah. you to say it. Yeah, because, like, well, because, she's very smart. Yeah, she's very smart. Like, she's superlatively yeah. smart. <laughs> yes. <laughs> word that I can't say. She is that. There's yeah, that yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I, it, was, it was her and a guy named Vince Morris that were, like, outside of what the typical black comedy is. Mm. And, they, and they both did it well on, on Def Jam. Mm. And I, I saw her in BET, too, and I was like... This woman's amazing, yeah. but I haven't I haven't seen her and heard from her in so many years. And that, then, I, then when I moved back to Brooklyn, I saw her and I was like, "That's her!" Oh my god! I was like, "I, I oh my god!" This is the only this is the only time when like I'm 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 32 now, right? The only time when like 32 years later in my life I can see someone that I saw on TV and share the same same stage with them. Like that to me is Have amazing. you performed with her? Uh, yes. Ah, oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah she, she's an amazing lady. All right, so we're gonna be uh, backtracking a little bit. We, I wanna get back into you moving back yeah. to Brooklyn and how you got into comedy and stuff later. But I always ask this to every single person that, that comes on the show, how the hell did we meet? <laughs> I, like we did a storytelling show yes. in Times Square back in June. Yes. And I, you were sitting in front of me and yeah. I was like, I know this. I'm like a little back. Is I know yeah, that head. I know that head. I know that head. I know the shape yeah. of that head. And wait, was it? 
it this, there was this show in Williamsburg yes. like two years ago or something yes. and Sean O'Brien was throwing out um yes. like like not Twinkies, um jerky into the yeah, audience. Yeah, he was doing that. So it was at the um, experiment comedy gallery. Oh right. An- at, another at, spot. At the first one. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so they were doing storytelling and this is when I was like just kind of started getting into storytelling. I did it once before. So that was like 2015, maybe? That 2016? Was about, that was about 2015. Okay. And I saw you there, and I, and I did my famous Hawaii story that everyone pretty much likes. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you're talking about, you know, the gentrification that happened uh, around your area, and you, you lived in Park Slope and all that stuff. And I was like, and I was just like so, uh, if, if, I need to, if I need to use a big word, uh, I was so enamored with you. I was oh. like, I was like, wow. Right, because like it's a part that I didn't know, because like I didn't know about gentrification that much, because my role was very small. So it wasn't until like I came back to Brooklyn, and I was like, oh, why, why are there so many white people on the A train? Oh yeah, oh snap, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. And Notion Avenue wasn't the place to get off of at any time of day. No, I know. I know. I saw that, and I was like, I saw a white person with a a surfboard. I'm like, where the hell are you getting a goddamn surfboard? Where are you surfing on Notion (laughs) Avenue? (laughs) That wait, Notion on the A. That's not East New York though. That's like Bed Stuy, right? Yes. It's not Bed. Yeah, East New York would be further, further east, be further in, further, further east. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I did that. That. Piece is called uh, it's a large it's part of a larger mm-hmm. piece called There Goes the Neighborhood, which is basically specifically about the gentrification of Park Slope slash mm-hmm. Windsor Terrace, mm-hmm. Brooklyn, where you say you're 32. I moved to that neighborhood when you was turning two. Hmm. Okay, so and I seen it change and change again. My joke was always when I first moved to that neighborhood, it was full of Puerto Ricans. Now I feel like I'm one of the few left, which is not, there are, there are a bunch of homeowners that yeah. are still there. And, they, but, and, you know, I, when I had to move, I realized that I was the gentrifier, even though I'm the same ethnicity mm-hmm. as the people that were being pushed out, I, because I went in there as an artist. I didn't go there as a fellow homie, yeah, for want of yeah, a better word. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I went there as an educated, you know, I'm going to be an artist and I'm living here because the rent is cheap. You know? <laughs> I, uh, I started doing, uh, I'm trying to do this bit now, but like the whole idea of the bit is like, you can blame someone else about whatever, but you have to like spin it around too and see what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, exactly. Because if you see what you're doing, you can kind of, you can still kind of be angry, but you still understand where the other person's coming from, mm-hmm. you know? And and that's exactly what you did. You're just like, oh, shit, I'm doing the same yeah. thing in a way. And I know? didn't know. How yeah. did I know? I'm yeah. 25 years yeah. old. I'm doing, you out can't of school. Know. I, but and, but what, the thing that you were saying about the A train is, yes, that train was like the rough-ass train. I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, that line was just, just and not just the line, but, like, also when you just leave the line, like, I was, like, hooking up with this, like, girl or whatever, and she lives off the notion line and like it's one 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 two o'clock in the morning but i didn't realize where she lived oh, this, at. is this recently yeah it would say fairly recent okay. and but like i still have memory of years ago not now but mm. i mean like I'm, it's still like it's still messed up now but it's not as bad as it was back in the day but like i like i still have that ptsd from like you know, 25 years ago mm. where like you shouldn't be walking around at two o'clock in the morning right. back home where the train comes, what, every 15 minutes? Right. Anything can happen. Walk on the street at 2 o'clock in the morning, people just pop off. Yes. You, you, know? don't, you don't know when yeah. it's going to happen. All right, so let's backtrack for the 25 years ago. So where are you from? 
So, I, obviously, you're from New York. <laughs> yeah, I'm from, uh, obviously. I'm from, I'm and from, from Brooklyn. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, uh, what, I, was Nostra when you stopped? No, uh, so I kind of grew up all over the place. Um, I grew up um, uh, mostly in, in the pink houses. Uh, oh, okay. East New York. Yes, yes, those, are, those notorious houses. Those notorious houses where things happen. <laughs> yes. And um, then I grew up in uh, Bed-Stuy. And then How I, old were you when you moved out of pink? Um, let's see. I think I was... Maybe about three or four, but like, uh, yeah, about three or four or five. Good, but, then you don't remember much. No. <laughs> but my grandma still lived there. Oh, no. So I always go back. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. You know? So, like, pretty much my grandma raised me, so I'm, I'm, I'm always there. My mom was there, too. So, like, after my mom was like, I'm leaving my grandma's house, we moved to uh, Bed-Stuy and then Brownsville. And so we kind of kind of picked up all over. Then, then we moved to Borough Park. Oh, you know? so like that—that that, that was a big Whoa. jump. Oh my God, that that's, was, that's, that was, that's uh, like from, that's like moving the planet, Claire. <laughs> yeah. Well, how old were you moved to to um? Uh, I just Park. got into junior high school, so that must have okay. been like what twelve. So we're going to explain because we have some uh, listeners that are not from the United States. Uh, no, oh yeah, we oh, do. Oh, cool, we have, cool. Yeah, awesome, yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to explain the difference between Bed Stuy. And Borough Park. Go. And it's not just that one train yeah. is the A train or the yeah. G train, and the other train is the F train. F train, uh, right? F, uh, F or Q? It's still the A train. Oh, still the A train? Yeah. Borough Park it, is the A train? No, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Borough Park is the D train. Oh, the D train. Okay. Yeah, it's the D train. The D for delay. Yes, which still happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So Bed-Stuy was an area that it was like it was mostly predominantly black area. And it was very dilapidated. But there was some great architecture there, there was, with the beautiful yeah. brownstones. Yeah, there was, oh, there, oh, I forgot about the brownstones. Yes, there was amazing brownstones there. Um, and, I mean, it was a, a bad area, but, like, you, you uh, how do I say, you, you raise up fast. Okay. And then <laughs> Borough Park, which I didn't know at the time, is extremely Jewish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, when, when I was there, it was very Hispanic. But, like, so there was... Um, there was uh, Puerto Ricans there. There was Ecuadorians there. I didn't even know what Ecuadorian was. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, there were Ecuadorians there. There were Dominicans there. I didn't know much about Dominicans. I just, you know, like most people just know Puerto Ricans. You know, it's pretty much what it is. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Then you, you, and you put them under the blanket label of Spanish. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, no, 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 yeah. don't do that. Uh, but, like, you can tell that it's mostly, like, family, working class, you know, garages, uh, yeah, very well off. People that want their kids to do better than they yes, did. Yes, you know, even though not every kid around that area did that. Well, not like, every kid does that even when the kid got yeah, mo- even yeah. when the family got money. Yeah, so, you know. uh, but yeah, it was a, it was amazing seeing the, the dynamic of, of both areas. I would stay, I would go to, um, I would live in Borough Park, and I would travel on the 35 bus all the, the way to... The B-35. B-35. Cross town. Yeah. <laughs> all the way to right, like, uh, where Brookdale Hospital is. Okay. And then taking the next, I think, the 20, B-20, all the way into the pink houses. Wow. And you would just see, like... That's a long-ass ride. It's about, That's like, an like hour, an hour Yeah, it was going to be, like, an hour and a half. Yeah. And it was crazy, but, like, you, you see that you see that change of, like... Just yeah. like, what the fuck? Why don't we get one of those red tour buses and, like, hijack it and drive the tourists and take it on that exact same yeah. route? Oh, I, I wish I wish there was, like, a tr- like a transporter like they have on Star yeah. Trek, and we could just commandeer. Of course, nothing's ever going to happen to us. So we, we'll, we'll just, like, hijack the... I'll, I'll distract them because yeah. I don't know how to drive. You know how to drive? No, drive okay, yeah. good. I'll distract them. Yeah. I'll go... You drive it, and, and, then we'll go, and then we'll just be on the B-35 to the B-20. Yeah, that'd be dope. And then you <laughs> take a like, microphone and say, and this is the pink... Oh, my yeah. God. It was crazy, man. And, uh, but I loved it, you know? It was... Uh, it, it, all that stuff kind of made me who I am. 
So when you were a kid, did you think about being a performer? Did you like want to be an artist? So when I was a kid, uh, um, music is in my family. Oh yeah. My my uh, my great uh, my grandfather is used to be like in one of those um, 50s or 40s duet bands. Really? Yeah. Which one? Uh, they're called the Dan Lears. They they had like one. They're like a one-hit wonder. Hey, you know what? Better than no hit. Yeah, you know, they're a one-hit wonder. Then a Dan of, Lears. Dan Lears, yeah. D A N L E E R S. Yes. I'm gonna look them up. Yeah, they had they had that one song. I think one summer's night or something like that, and it's a good song. I um, bet it is. So Some then, of that music was pretty good. My uncle is a music producer, and like, and, and I, all I was around, like, just him and his apartment blasting beats all throughout the night. Neighbors getting upset. Like he 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 was on a video music box when when. When that was fun, wow! I was around, so music always been in my family. And so, like I, uh, when I was younger, I was like kind of a singer, like a like a like a, like an R and B singer. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, but you, then you, you got that kind of face. I had it. You got that suave face. <laughs> but then um, my balls dropped. So like you know that that, oh. that, that voice wasn't there anymore. And then I went to rapping. You know, I started, I started doing rap, and uh, it's a picture of me when I was a kid, just holding, standing on the on the mic on the chair with a microphone in my hand. So, so ever since I was young, I've always had a microphone in my hand. Wow. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah. So then I went no, from there. Not, not a hairbrush like other no, dumb not, kids. Not, 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 not a pen. No. <laughs> my wow. My mom got me one of those things that had like, um, uh, it was a microphone attached to like a radio thing, but like, but, 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 a, but a kid's version of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. You remember those, yeah. right? So yes, like, I remember those. So I my had those. Had and them. I think I had two of those and it was awesome. And uh, I just like just do my little raps inside the thing or whatever because that's what I was used to. And it was fun. I didn't realize until later like that's that's my trajectory of being like a front person. Right. You know? And uh, so I went from there, and then after, um, after rapping didn't go so well because I wasn't a good rapper <laughs> at all. But then, I mean, I, I got into it like later on, yeah. like, uh, um, like five years ago, got back into it, and it was like mediocre. If I put more work into it, I'd probably be pretty decent. Um, but so after that, I was like, I don't know what to do. And then, and then I got into like hardcore metal music. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like That's, what kind? Uh, yeah, like uh, you know, like um, like Madball, Metallica, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, sick of it all, like, like stuff like that. Like, like death metal. Yeah, like, like, death like metal. when they say. Yeah, exactly. That's what I did. You sang like that? That's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> I just did like lows and did some highs. Oh, let's give it to that. You guys. I, I don't know little. if I can do anymore. Um, just pretend. Uh, what you say? Ooh, that sounds like a viper. That's what you say? My voice is messed up. I used, to, I used to do that stuff, you know? I went from, like, that extreme wow. you know, to rapping to metal music. I, I did that for a couple of years. We almost got signed, and things got messed up. We broke up. And then after that, I was like, yo, what am I going to do? Because, like, I, have, like, I like being in front of people. And how old are you by now? Right now? Uh, by then, by I then. was, uh, when I started doing metal, I was, like, 23, oh, okay. 25, so, somewhere, somewhere right. around there. So, like, eight, eight, ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And uh, then from there, then we, we broke up around 2009, I think, okay. 2008, 2009, uh, maybe 2008, and then I was trying to figure out what to do. Yeah, because if the music's not happening, what else are you going to do? There's nothing else to do. And uh, I used to work with a guy who was funny, and he would always tell me jokes, but they wouldn't be his jokes. They'd be someone else's joke, but I will, like, I'm, I'm very gullible as a person. You can, you can tell me someone has a joke, and I'll just be like laughing at it. And then you tell me who it is. I'm like, oh, that's funny. So he told me who it is. And then one day I was like, maybe I should do comedy. Like, I've always been funny as a kid, or just stupid funny. Mm. And I'm still stupid funny. And it came like randomly. I was like, oh, shit, maybe I should try comedy. 
And then I did that, and for many years, I sucked. Yeah. For many years, you suck. Wow. Well, I, I, I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> like, I sucked for a very long time, and, for, and one time I didn't suck was doing a roast. Oh, wow. I, uh, they did a, um, so there's a guy up in Albany who, whose name I won't oh, speak. Oh, wait, how did you get up to Albany? Oh, so, um, so uh, my mom wanted a better life for us, and I was like, I don't want this because I had a, I had a my life was here, my friends are here, and then I had a girlfriend who I messed up with, so, we like, I'm trying to, like, you know, fix mm. things or whatever. And she was like, you know, we're moving up here a better life. And I'm like, this is stupid. But you like 20? I was like uh, 17. Oh, wow. You yeah. were still in high school. I was, yeah. I was like my last year of high school. I moved up to Albany, New York. This is like um, like maybe two months after September 11th. Oh. Yeah. But it wasn't because of that. It's just because no. she wanted. Right. You know. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, that's yeah. just significant because of, yeah. because of what happened yeah. on that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh... So, so did you graduate high school here or did you I finish it there? I graduated high school at my last year up in Albany. Wow. Up in or Troy, New York, rather. Wow. Which is like 15 minutes away from wow. Albany. Did you go to college up there? No, I didn't go I didn't go to college because I wanted to be a performer. Oh, okay. Right on. Which is, I mean, my, now in retrospect, I'm like, oh, that's stupid because I could have got, like, now you need a degree to, like, answer phones for some fucking reason. I know. But, uh... But I, didn't, I was like, I, after high school is over, I want to be a performer, I want to be a musician, that's what I wanted to do. Mm. And I was like, I'm not, I, I remember the guy's counselor came down and he was like, hey, um, so you haven't done anything for college? I'm like, I'm not going to college. I'm going to be a rock star. Oh my <laughs> you God. Know? And, you know, and here I am, you know, years later, just a comedian, not a rock star, as much as I wanted to be. Um, well, but you know, but you went for it and yeah. you had talent and you almost made it. You could have made it. I could have made it. You know, you know, and now there's just other things yeah. you're going to make. So, uh, so what brought you back to New York? Uh, so bro comedy. I was like, okay. I, so uh, you, you lived there from when you were 17. So uh, you did all your music up there? I did all my music up there. I, did, I started comedy. Yeah. Um, so I, it was about, I would say, I'm, well, I'm 32 now. So I moved back here when I was 20, 28. Oh, OK. Yeah, I moved back so here like five, years ago. Yeah. five years ago. Or no, actually, you know what? Less than that. I moved back here in 2013, so. Four years ago. Yeah, about four years okay. ago. So wow. I, I must have been 29. I think it was 29. Yeah. And uh, I, I, was in, I was in Albany, and I was like getting up and down about comedy. And then I was dating this girl, and I was just getting very serious about it. I was like listening to comedians that I like and trying to find the voice that's like for who? me. Like uh, who? Patrice O'Neill, George oh, Carlin. Yeah, yeah. You know. The greats. Uh, uh, Louis Black, mm. you know. Like, Chappelle wasn't even in my mind as a comic. Like, I liked him for what he was. But, like, I didn't get into Chappelle as a comedian, like, way later. Like, a, maybe, like, two years mm. later. Um, so, all the music and all the open mics you did when you first started comedy were... That was all in all, Albany. All, all okay, okay. Albany. I just wanted, yeah. I wanted to make... Because yeah. I was like, it sounded like you were yeah. doing it here. No, but. like, every entertainment thing that I actually went on stage for people... And the different people, it was all upstate. Wow. Yeah. So when you came to New York, you had to basically start over again. I had to start over again, and that was that's the hard that's the hard thing to do. How did know? how did you do that? Uh, I mean, I, you did it. Yeah, but I like... did it. I, you know, I, I don't know. It's just a determination. You know, friends. You know, like I just I I I took my full one k that I had from my pretty decent job Whoa. that I had, and I was like, all right, I got this much money. You had a 401k? I had a 401k. Honey, I didn't get that until I was <laughs> more grown. Oh, my oh, God. So yeah. you, you, you have a good head on your yeah, shoulders. You know, I, I got lucky. I got a friend who had, who had a, um, she's working somewhere. She helped me out. And then I got it. And I got the job. And then they sent me over to 401k. And I didn't, I didn't realize, like, 
over time and years or whatever, they put money in, and you put money in, they match it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get so much money. And I'm like, oh, shit, all right, I got this money. I got this money, and I'm like, uh, you know what? I'm going to move to New York. I'm going to, like, I'm going to follow my dream. And, and, that, and that's exactly what I did. I was like, you know what? I got this money right now. I might as well follow my, I might as well follow my dream. And I took it. That's amazing because yeah. a lot of people, I think, wouldn't have the balls to do that. Yeah. They would just like stay. Yeah. You know, they would, they, would, they, would, they would settle for where mm -hmm. they were and think that, well, I tried. This is as far I, as I could get in life. But you said, nah, that's good. Yeah. I, that's I, a, that's, me, that's like, awesome. That's, I, that's, I, that's so cool. Failure was not an option. You that's know? so cool. So, so where was the first place that you did stand up here? In, uh, in New York. First place to stand up here in New York. And uh, where did you move to when you came back here? I moved, back, I moved, to, uh, I moved to Bentonhurst, Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah, so my, my school was in Bentonhurst. My high school was in Bentonhurst, so I know the area. Mm. So I felt comfortable, like, listen, I'm from the hood, and I, you know, I'm from the projects and all that stuff. I know how it works. I don't want to go back there. But that neighborhood also changed from when, when you had left when you were a kid. Yeah, it changed. It was, it was worse, really though. Italian. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but Bentonhurst. Yeah, Bentonhurst. Yeah, Bentonhurst. It, it was really Italian. Yeah. It, was like, it was like stereotypically Italian. Yeah, it was very Italian. Like too stereotypically yeah. Italian like, in a bad way. Yeah. I mean, the stereotype was bad, yeah. not the Italian. Yeah, That's yeah. what I meant. And it became very Russian and very Chinese. Yeah, it became extremely Chinese. Same thing too. Like, and I, I, I would visit here. You know, whenever I was still living in Albany, I would visit here, and I'm like, why are there so many Asian people on the train? Not in a bad way. I'm just realized like these people, like they're coming in, so like they're it's, changing that dynamic of of, yeah. the, of, of the neighborhood. Because that's you know? what happens with New York. It's yeah. like it's just like this ebb like, and this flow yeah. and stuff. But what's happening now is like I've heard people call it hyper gentrification, where stuff is like planned and manufactured instead of it being the natural progression mm -hmm. of. Probably because money city. is like the, the, the most yeah. determining factor yeah. or anything. So I want to know what was the, who like who did you meet and like who, who where were the first places where um, you performed and. All right. So uh, so there was um, there was like. And did you see Leanne Lord? No. <laughs> <laughs> maybe like a, maybe like, maybe like a two years later or a year later. Um, so there was. Uh, I did a this thing called Ten by Ten Festival in Massachusetts. Oh, okay. I think I've heard of that. Yeah. Uh, one guy that I used to be cool with, uh, he's like, he ran it. And so I met two comics from New York City, my buddy Mike Lemmy and a dude named James Goff. And I met them there and I was like, and I always talked to James for like, uh, for advice. So I decided to move down to the city. And then like, I was like talking to him for, for advice. And I moved down there, I talked to my friend Mike, Mike Lemmy, and he had a show. So I was like, all right, man, do, do you want to um, do you wanna host a show? And I was like, you goddamn right I want to host a show. And then I, then I hosted the show, and I was like, and I sucked. Like, I hate hosting. I fucking hate it. Really? I fucking, but oh I'm, I got mediocre at it. <laughs> I guess. Uh, so uh, just good enough? Yeah. I'm just like, uh, don't you hate when, like, you hate something, but you're just good enough to do it? And yeah. Like, God damn it, you know? Yeah, yeah, and everyone's yeah. like, hey, do you want to host? Do you want to host? Do you want to host? I'm like, but hosting pays you a lot more money than actually doing yes. a spot, you know? So I was like, yeah, fuck it, I'll host, you know? I was a burlesque host for a number of years. I was the only... Some I would do some shows where I was the only person that I was that was guaranteed to be paid, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and basically my my it was like, well, I'm wearing the most amount of clothes you're going to see all night. <laughs> yeah, Welcome to the stage, yeah. boom, clams casino, yeah. and you know whatever. And it's and it was fun. I mean, it was cool thing. Like, it, it's cool to learn how to like talk to people on the cuff sometimes without actually having to go in and material or whatever. Yeah. So like, you, so you, that's a you, good thing to learn. You really hone your improv yeah. skills when you host, and you really and you really learn how to shut down hecklers. And you learn how to read a room, yeah. and you learn how you to adjust 
if like what you're saying I mean like I guess it's like doing stand-up yeah, yeah. in a way although you even though you're just being a uh, mm-hmm. facilitator mm-hmm. and you're just doing like interstitials yeah, yeah. the yeah. one thing to learn I, I didn't like I didn't it's one thing you'd learn yeah I, you'd learn about from hosting because I I used to host my own show too my home my and my own show was like I'm gonna do my show what I want to do is like I'm gonna get performers that I know are good mm. and did it get a performer who is like not so good or just starting to give them a chance because yeah. no one gives you a chance you know yeah, that's so this is true so if no well, one gives you a chance when you get the time to when, when you when you get on then you give someone else a chance who may not get a chance like that's how like that's how I always thought comedy should be and that's how you get better yeah it's like if you want to if you want to like run you got you got to train with someone who's who's like a minute faster yeah. than you you know and, yeah. and 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 that's how and that's what I believe so I did that so like you know, learning uh, learning how to host was was pretty good. You know, I mean, I still have more stuff to learn, but it was fun. So I hosted that show. Didn't do well as a host. I forgot one of the guys' names, who I'm actually cool with today. And uh, and it was a fun it was a fun time. Like I, I felt bad because like I just whatever. But but that's when I realized like I really my jokes were not New York City good. Oh, okay. They were like explain I'm what that is. Good. So like New York City good is like one of those things where like they're. There are ways. <clears throat> New York City has like a specific type of comedy that wor- that works for New York City, and and they get it and they understand it. It can be anything stupid, any stupid movie reference. It can be. It, it has to be like smart and witty enough for people to be like, yeah, I fucks with you, you know. And and in Albany, that comedy wasn't there. It was just like, hey, well, here's both the day, you know. It was just very silly stuff, and but my voice wasn't like my voice wasn't there yet. I was just talking about random stuff because I didn't really, I didn't know how to like live a life and talk about it. And you didn't have a point of view. I didn't have a point of view, you know? And that's the thing that separates someone from being mediocre to being good. Yeah. And from being good to being great is that you develop your unique point of view. And New York City did that for me. I, I, my my buddy from, uh, from Albany, he moved down here like two years after I did. And he was like, oh shit, you got good. And I'm like, yeah, because the city was like, put up or shut up. And I'm like, I had to do one or the other. And you, and you just learn how to get better. And you learn, all right, you know what? That joke is no good or it's not good for now. At some point when I get good enough, I'll come back to it and see what I can do with it. But I, I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to get better at not being uh, afraid to talk to people. Mm. Uh, I got to get better at slowing down sometimes, but sometimes I still have a problem with you know, I got to get better at, like, connecting with people. In New York City, like, it, it puts you through the trenches. Did you find that storytelling got you better at that, especially the co- connecting with people? Because I want, really want to know how you got into storytelling. Storytelling... Because it's such a different world than stand-up. Yeah. Uh, what, what storytelling did for me was took things that, like, take things that, like, I didn't know. or take things for me that, like, I didn't... Um, I couldn't make work in stand-up. Mm work as a part of a thing that actually has a backstory to it. It has like a backing to it. Right, you know? because, because stand-up is just a setup and a yeah, punchline. Yeah, it's a punchline this and, and that. And storytelling yeah. is getting into the nut grab, the, yes. the meat of the thing, yeah. and, and, and like getting, like finding mm-hmm. the humor in that. What storytelling did for me was like, uh, as, and helped me in stand-up a little bit, I think, is uh, help me get the heart of a person. So. I always like the moments where like I'm telling you something and you are just like into what I'm saying but then when the joke comes it just kind of goes out your mind because that thing is there but like for that second where you're just like 
right. that shit I like. Yeah, and you're like, what? Yeah. That, that came out of nowhere. Yeah. So how, but how did you get into storytelling? So uh, the first storytelling thing I did was, was in Albany, actually. They had a storytelling show. Really? Yeah. Um, wow. It was like, oh, well, an open mic, rather. And there was a bit that I wanted to do about a, <laughs> about a girl that um, I had hooked up with that uh, at the time I thought may have been uh, a man. So, but I didn't know how to like talk about it really. So, I don't, I don't write anything down. The first time you hear it is the first time I hear it. Is the first time you hear it. Right? Oh, okay. So what I did was I just went up there and just told the story like I'm telling, like I'm talking to you. So as I'm talking to you, all these things are coming in my mind and like jokes starting to work as I'm telling the story and people are into it and people are like, oh, that was a great story at the end. I'm like, oh shit, I just wrote this fucking thing in my mind. About, that, about what happened, and it got emotion and it got laughter. Now, how can I apply that to stand-up? It just never, it never worked for stand-up. Right. Well, they're, they're, it's, it's like comparing a mango with uh, a watermelon. watermelon. <laughs> 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 we got this, yeah. You know? We just did the stereotypical yeah. <laughs> fruit for both our ethnic groups. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, but so, what, what, what kind of story, what storytelling were you doing here? Like, who were you getting, so, in, like, meeting and stuff? So, uh, for storytelling here, I think, um, I think the first time I really, oh, when did I get into storytelling here? Um, I think it might have been, like, I think it might have been at the uh, experiment. Oh, okay, so and, you haven't done the moth or anything like no, that? No, I haven't done the moth. Like, I went there once to tell the, my teenage love story that I did, but I, and I, I didn't get picked. Yeah, and you have to keep going. You gotta you, keep, you, you going, gotta keep you know? going, yeah, you gotta keep um, at it. And, uh, but I think it was just at the open mic. So I was like, all right, I have things that. So was it Morgan Pielli's show? That, that's uh, the show that we were at. Yes, it was, it was, uh, yes, I think it was Morgan Pielli's show. It was totally Morgan Pielli's show. Things, I'm like, all right, I have this thing. And it was in February. Yeah. I remember it, it was because it was cold. Because I remember like uh, when, when I had the um, Hawaii incident, mm-hmm. that like I had this whole, like as soon as I left that girl and, um, on, the, on a plane back to Brooklyn from Hawaii, I had this whole thing in my mind of how I wanted to tell it, but it took me a year and a half to figure it out and to write it in a blog form mm. and write it with my mind or, or like how I think jokes will go. It took me even longer to like perform it. So I think it was there when like I was like, all right, here's the story. Let me see what I can do with it and see if it like does everything I need to do. It, uh, if it makes you be like, what the fuck? Or like, oh my God. And like, Get the hell out of here. Like that. Like that, was the, that was everything that I wanted. And it did that. So I just keep on doing that. And I realized, oh, shit, I have, you know, the King Xerxes story. Uh, and then after that, I'm like, oh, shit, I think I have a knack for storytelling. So you, were, so you were getting responses from was, stories that sometimes you weren't getting from stand-up. From stand-up, yeah. yeah. And I was like, all right, so now I can separate the two. Now I can be yeah. both. Because there are a lot of stand-ups who think they can tell stories, yes. but they cannot. <laughs> yeah. One person who's a stand-up that is a master of that is Gastor Almonte, who I, is I, from I, East New York. I, Dominican I, dude from East New York, tall dude, big mm-hmm. dude. And he just tells, he's just amazing. Like, it's not stand up yeah. it's a story it's just, but you yeah. are laughing, you're laughing. Like, yeah. like you're burning calories yeah. laughing All right, you, you, you listen yeah. to one of Gaston's stories and it's like you, you don't have to go to the gym like you worked out because you got, you got your cardio from laughing I so much I saw him on that, that, the television show um, This Is Not Happening yes and I was like because oh, I, I heard about it like I heard like he used to take a storytelling class storytelling class and then he just been helped along the way and then he learned how to do uh, 
storytelling really well. Yeah. And then he got that show. I'm like, that's fucking awesome. You yeah. know, that's yeah. means that your hard yeah. work paid yeah. off. Yeah. He took a class. I think he took Jeff Zimmerman's class. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, All yeah. Right. So you know, I, I know yeah. a lot of people have to to go to the next level. They've taken they've taken the class yeah. to like get their instinct, yeah. you know, like honed mm-hmm. for, for one of a better, like no yeah. one can teach you how to be yeah, funny. No, no one can teach you how to be no funny. No one can yeah. teach you timing, no. but people can teach you like structure and yeah, stuff sh- like that. Yeah, structure is a big one. Yeah. The, the funny thing is like I've never, I class, I never took classes for anything. Oh. I was just like, it's like one of the things like, uh, well, storytelling <laughs> uh, show uh, uh, teachers here, you reach out to Vernon. <laughs> he might be ready. Yeah, yeah please. You know. Oh, and at that note, why don't you give us a little snippet of a story? Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's this is a longer story, but I'll give you like a little bit. Uh, so it's like a snippet, snippet. and an excerpt. Yeah, I'll give you a snippet of the okay, story. Okay, does the story now, have a name? The story is called Teenage Love. Teenage Love, yeah. okay. All right. Uh, so it was 2001, and I was 16 years old. Uh, I was a 16-year-old goth kid. I wore like the black uh, fingernail polish and like the makeup and everything. Like, yeah, I haven't, I even wore Jinko jeans. You remember Jinko jeans? Like, Jinko jeans are the type of jeans that you wear when you want to be a vampire and a douchebag at the same time. You know, <laughs> that's that's kind of pretty much how it is. Uh, so the, there was a girl uh, that who I had like this big crush on, and she like. She kind of reminded me of like, um, like, like a mix between Sophia Loren and the goth chick from NCIS. You know, like, like, like that. Like she, she really got to me. But she also had the attitude of Marissa Tomei, and something. And she's, a, she's a, this is this Italian girl from Brooklyn, and like, oh my gosh, she was just amazing. You know, and uh, her name was her name was Amy, and I really had a crush on her. And for like six months, we were going back and forth of like sending notes back and forth together. And on the last day of school, July 13th, I believe, uh, I asked her to be my girlfriend and she said yes. And I was like, I was, I was ecstatic. I was like, yes, like I finally got the girl that I wanted, you know? And for pretty much most of that summer, we were inseparable. We were, we were spent together time together every every day um, and uh, she was ama- she was amazing because she she brought me into things that I never thought I would be into like friends like friends is, a, is an amazing television show for me but not many black people say that I'm about like one in five black people who like love friends you know and uh, and we were always like, who are we? Like, are we a Ross? Are we a Rachel? And for me, like, we, we, were, we were Ross and Rachel, in a way, you know? So it was, uh, our relationship grew, and it was great. And then I remember feeling that, like, I was, I was in love with her, but I didn't know how to tell her. And I remember one day back from this, uh, from, um, the swimming pool, I think it was maybe in Harlem or the Bronx, I don't remember, it was like so many years ago. And I was sitting on the chair at the corner, she was on the other side, and I was afraid to look at her. And she looked at me and she was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I think I think I love you. And there's like just a lull there. And she looks at me and she was like, Vernon, I love you too. And I was like, 
I was like, yes. Like, I'm like, like, yeah, she loves me. Amazing. Like, I, this is the best time of my life. Like, I would, like, if, it, if, if anyone jumped up from the train and was like, I'm going to shoot anyone who's in love right now. Like, take me as tribute. Like, I would, that's, that's how much I love this fucking person. And our relationship just blossomed right after that. There was a friend of mine who lived right, right around the corner who I had nothing, I had no, like, attraction to, but she was just cool. But this one day, it was very different. I, I went to her sister's, uh, sister's birthday party, and this girl, like, she, she had glasses. She wore glasses, big, thick frame glasses that I used to wear back in the day, like, messed up curly hair, and, like, kind of dressed down. But this day, it was different. She had contacts in. I can see her face. She was amazingly beautiful. Her hair was straight. And I remember thinking, oh, shit, I think I like this girl. But how can I like her? I have a girlfriend. This should not happen. And I'm trying to get rid of it, and it just doesn't happen. So I told my girlfriend, I'm not sure I love you anymore because of her. And then we break up. Then my mom is like, hey, we're moving to Albany. So we moved to Albany, and I never get a chance to actually get back with her. Twelve years later, when I moved back here, randomly we meet up on the street, we change numbers, and then we started dating again. And it was the best time in my life. I'm like, I fall in love with you again. But then it didn't work out. She was like, I don't feel the same way for you as you feel for me. And it sucked. But at least I got a chance to know what it was like to be 16 again and be in love. Wow, that's not a lot of people get that. Yeah. Yeah, you were lucky. Yeah. Oh, that's so bittersweet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Vernon, that's yeah. so bittersweet. Um, well, tell us, what and if um, people want to uh, catch up with you, where can they look you up? You can see me at uh, vernonpainecomic.com. Uh, you can mm -hmm. check me out there. Check me out on my Twitter, cool ass, cool underscore ass underscore Vern. Cool ass Vern. Cool uh -huh. ass Vern, that is everywhere. Right, right. Instagram. Right, I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> cool ass Vern, babe. Yeah. All right, and what, what, what's your thing on Instagram? What's your handle there? Same thing, cool. Oh, that's, oh, yeah, that's, 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 that's right, everywhere. continuity, yeah. continuity. All right, so one last question. Yes. If you had any advice to give to the child in the top floor tenement walk-up or living in the attic bedroom or the person that's been uprooted from where they live and now has to live someplace else and has a burning desire to be an artist and doesn't know how the hell they're going to get out of the house and do it, what would you tell them? I would tell him, uh, follow your dreams, man. Just take it. Uh, if, even if you do fail, just get up and get back up. Just take your heart and just throw it away. Just, just throw it at something that, that, that you really love, and it'll come back to you. Take your heart and throw it away. <laughs> take your heart and throw it away. Right, yeah. Yeah. And maybe you'll get it back. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. right, that, that sounds good. All right, thank you so much for being <laughs> no, on the show, Thank you very Vernon. much. I appreciate it. Hug Yay. in the air. Hug in Whoa. the air.
quit in 2015. Once I finish this, witnesses will convey just what I mean. Been feeling this way since I was 16. Came to my senses. You never liked this anyway. Your friendship, I meant it. I'm African American. I'm African. I'm black as the moon. Heritage of a small village. Part of my residence. Came from the bottom of mankind. My hair is nappy. My my nose is round and wide. You hate me, don't you? You hate my people. Your plan is to terminate my culture. You're evil. I want you to recognize that I'm a proud monkey. You vandalized my perception, but can't take down from it. And this is more than confession. I mean, I might press the button just so you know my discretion. I'm caught in my feelings. I know that you feel it. You sabotage my community, making a killing. You made me a killer. Emancipation of a real. February like it's my B-Day Or eat watermelon chicken and Kool-Aid on weekdays Or jump high enough to get Michael Jordan endorsements Or watch BET cause urban support is important So why did I weep when Trayvon Martin was in the street When gang banging make me kill a nigga blacker than me Hypocrite
And we're back with Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. That was another song chosen by Vernon Payne, Kendrick Lamar, and The Black of the Berry from his 2015 album To Pimp a Butterfly. And guess what, kids? That's our show. Um, if you like what you've heard on Radio Free Brooklyn, whether it's Fish Out of Agua or any other of the fine shows on Radio Free Brooklyn this season and our next season, which starts in the middle of November, you can sponsor us. Yes. All you have to do is go to the Radio Free Brooklyn homepage and there's a little tab that says donate. Pick that from the drop down menu and donate, 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 donate. Sponsor living artists because that is cool. I also want to shout out uh, the Radio Free Brooklyn Halloween show, which will be on Monday night, Monday, October 23rd from 7 to 9 p.m., hosted by Radio Free Brooklyner Maddie Rosalier at the wonderful Footlight Performance Space and Bar in beautiful downtown Ridgewood. Check that out, too. And yeah, like I said, that's our show. We opened this week's show with an old school song, and we're going to close with one. I got the idea to look up the doo-wop group that Vernon's uncle was in called the Dan Lears. And what I found was pretty friggin' impressive. They were one of the many street-corner doo-wop groups that proliferated around New York City in the late 1950s. Uh, they con- the Dan Lears consisted of Jimmy Weston, Johnny Lee, Willie Ephraim, Nat McCoon, and Roosevelt Mays, those, they were the singers, and they were definitely a one-hit wonder, a pretty damn recognizable one-hit wonder. One of the biggest songs of the year it came out, 1958, but, and it was called One Summer Night. Wow. Vernon, shout now, your uncle. I don't know which one is he, but yes, we're going to play this song because we have to. Oh my God. It, listen, one hit is better than no hits, right? I love when freaky, deaky things like this happen. So from old school to new school to your school, stay tuned for Brooklyn Bandstand next. Don't forget to go to Footlights for the RFB party on Monday, October 23rd. And we'll see you kids next week. Woohoo! Wow.